0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: You're home alone. You have an uneasy feeling in the darkness. Like someone or something is watching you. Why is it suddenly cold in this room? You hear footsteps, whispers, or even laughter. (laughs) You go to check. You feel... A presence behind you, and then the fear sets in. I'm K-Town, and you're listening to Paranormal Fears.
2: reasons I can't explain about how the writer thing comes along I think it's just uh maybe it's an innate um element that that happens in some people where you just you just have to have a means of expression um through the written form but um been writing since I was a child I experienced my first paranormal experience when I was eight years old um that happened at uh Lindenwood which is um an infamous house uh that's the setting of the story my debut novel the haunting of natalie bradford and that kind of opened up a doorway for me to the world of the unexplained and uh the paranormal that it, it has really it has morphed into a lifetime of research and um started you know like i said when i was just a child Uh, Really didn't understand what was happening. I knew that something wasn't right, that the things I was seeing, the things I was experiencing were not normal. They were paranormal. But um, it was, you know, it was scary. And then, of course, as as I grew older, it just seems like that no matter where I go, um, I'm one of those people that uh, ends up finding a, a haunted house. I either end up living in them or visiting them or whatever, and it's taken a lifetime of research to realize that it's not necessarily um, just a stroke of luck, if if you will, or coincidence that I'm running into these things. It's actually a part of being an empath, uh, a sensitive, and it all ties into other experiences that I've, um, you know, had over the course of my life. So that's where I am today, and I'm just enjoying, um, when I'm not writing, I'm um, investigating a, another haunted location, and it's history.
1: And so are you, uh, you said you're vest- investigating another haunting. are you taking a team out with you? Do you have people that you always tap to come out to these locations with you, or are you doing it by yourself?
2: You know, this was, that's this a really good question, and it's, it's really funny because for all these years, uh, mainly I was, uh, the type of paranormal researcher that I investigated. When I say investigated, I mean, I might go to certain locations and do interviews, collect data um, through uh, the research, through interviews and things like that, uh, personal accounts. And I would compile these things into what I call reports and, and things like that for my own use that I might write about Uh, later on or or just keep a notebook of these things. Um, But as uh, the years went on, I I started to, you know, want to get interested in in doing some actual investigations with the team. And I actually recruited a few people uh, about three or four years ago. Uh, who were paranormal researchers uh, or paranormal investigators, I should say. Some of them have, you know, anywhere from a decade of experience in doing nothing but paranormal investigations to some of them having, you know, two or three decades uh, of experience doing it. And so they weren't necessarily writers. They were investigators, though, that were interested in, um you know, paranormal phenomena and uh, unexplained mysteries. And so I began recruiting a team and I began setting up um, some investigations that we could actually go to um, to do some of this. And the whole thing about me even beginning it was it was meant to be an inspiration for book writing. And then it has morphed into something completely different. So now, even though I do get some inspiration from it, it has become uh, the last three years. I mean, we have just gone from, uh, it, it's, it's been amazing. We've gone, you know, in all over the South, different places in the South, uh, in the Mid-South, and doing investigations, mainly a lot of them in Mississippi. And uh, we've encountered some very interesting stories uh, and some places that have absolutely um it has been transformational in in you know some of the things that we've been exposed to that I mean if there was any doubt in our minds ever before of whether or not the paranormal existed um it's you know <laughs> it's it's absolutely uh rooted uh in place after spending the night, and some of the places that we have.
1: Got you. It sounds amazing. You and I um, definitely have to hook up at some point and meet and explore some of these haunted locations. I want to ask you about, um, okay, so for for this particular volume two, is it all locations in Mississippi?
2: Volume two is locations in Mississippi. Um, It covers what I call, the title of the book is The Wilderness um, the reason that I titled that the wilderness is because of the, the area that is, that's highlighted was actually Native American territory before it became two separate counties. And that was what it was called. It was called the wilderness among the settlers that came here. Um, it involves two different two different areas, really three counties, actually, because it's a big, huge uh, area that that, that I, you know, uh, talk about in the book, the stories that are highlighted. So that's how that book, yes, that one, to answer your question, is uh, Mississippi, and um, there is a story in there that is uh, probably the worst, um, the worst paranormal i I wouldn't say it's the worst paranormal investigation I've ever done. I don't know that doesn't sound right. It is the most intense, scariest, disturbing story that I have ever personally encountered, and I've been doing this my entire life. um the things that this particular family went went through, and then we did we went out to this location twice. I am telling you, it took me over a week to get over. Uh, I mean, you feel sick. You feel physically ill. So there's things that you do um, to to prepare before you go in to do a paranormal investigation. If if you're not doing it, you should. You should. You want to be. And that may be just using some sage to cleanse yourself, envisioning a white light surrounding you. That's the, the light from the the source, call it, call him God, uh, the creator, the universe, however you want to, whatever you want to name it. But that light is, um, you know, from God. And you want to envision that before you are going into, especially locations like the devil's den.
1: Are you saying that this is the most intense, um, I guess site you've ever visited because I mean, you experience like something maybe moving on its own or, you know, you heard something that you've never heard before or what exactly.
2: Right. Okay. So basically I need to give you the backstory on this. Um, the backstory is this, this lady contacted me and, um, through social media and was telling me about, um, a house that she had lived in, um, and that they, it was now abandoned and, um, some of the things that she and her family had, had witnessed and gone through while they were living there. I just absolutely—it's one of these situations where your jaw is hanging open. You just can't believe what you're reading on, on social media. You know, it's coming through Messenger. You just can't believe it. Then you get on the phone and talk to her, and you—you can—you get the feeling. You know, this is—it's legitimate. This is a this is a reputable witness, um, and um, these are things that she really experienced. So. What basically she told me is, is that she and her, she and her husband and her children moved to a new home. They lived there for about six months before um, her husband committed suicide in front of the family. Now that the people were in the home, it was a horrific situation that happened. Um, You can just imagine what that does to somebody.
1: And how, Um, how did he do that? That's awful. How how did he do uh, it?
2: And he did that with a, with the shotgun.
1: Oh God.
2: And mm. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. well one so, more, one more thing. When yeah. you say new, was it new to them or was it actually a newly built home?
2: The house was not very old. It'd probably been there two or three years. Got you. Okay. And, and, and so the, and they even knew, you know, the, they, they knew the family that had lived there before, whatever. This house has got a, a, a disturbing past. That, that's the thing. These people moved into it without really, I mean, you know, they they weren't superstitious. They didn't necessarily, you know, have, they were like, well, you know, those terrible things happened at this place before, but you know what, that those people are gone. It's all over with. This is our chance to have a bigger place to live. You know, all of we have plenty of room now. They needed a bigger, bigger home, and um, it, they, it was just a great opportunity, or so they thought. And so they moved into this home. But here's here's what's so crazy about things started to happen once they moved into the home. And she told me, she said, "My husband, I, we were married for 10 years. She said, uh, that's the best 10 years of my life." Um, we got along. He was a very loving person. Uh, he loved the children, they had grandchildren, everything was great until they moved into that home. And he started hearing things, he would hear voices, he would have conversations with people that were not there. He was seeing them, but nobody else was seeing them. Um, he even told her at one point, If you knew. What these voices, what these things are telling me to do, you would leave and never come back the morning that he uh, he saw he, uh, it was awful he saw spirits that actually he was a truck driver he saw spirits that actually had gotten into two children got into his um his truck one day you know truckers prepare their their uh the bunks and their in their trucks before they leave to go out if they're traveling, if they're over the road drivers, and this man was an over the road driver and he was preparing his his uh, truck one day and you know putting supplies in it and whatnot. He goes out to the truck and he sees these two kids up in the bunk, and he he gets up there and he says, "Hey, how'd you two get in here?" And they ignore him. He says they're ignoring him and they're sitting there and they're talking, and all of a sudden he hears them say. Is he dead yet? And he says, hey, what are you, who are you? What are you doing up here? And he says, all of a sudden, he hears something, t- looks away for a split second, turns around, and they're gone. Oh, Lord. Now, yes, yeah, it's, it's freaky, but here's what, it gets even crazier. Way after all of this was over with, even after I finished writing the story, other neighbors that live in this area contacted me. A lady that I'd never met while I was out there. She lived down the road. Actually, she called me. Or she didn't call me. She messaged me and was asking me to contact her because she said that they had been dealing with some strange phenomena in in the you know in their near their home and so I messaged her back and I was going like, What are you talking about? She said, My small children, I have two children and they keep telling me about these kids that are that they see that are in the woods and nobody knows who these other children are, but she says that they they have red eyes. And I said, Red mm. eyes, like glowing red eyes. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's crazy. But when, I, when we went to investigate, here's the things that, um, that it, it was awful. The, the, the lady whose husband uh, ended up killing himself the morning that he did that. He hid her keys and actually cut the phone lines that were landlines, phone landlines at that time. He cut those wires so that she could not call for help. And all of this happened around ten thirty in the morning. The son claims that he was attacked by an entity while he was uh, while he was there. Um and uh the bad thing is is that the lady that told me, you know, that told me about this story, she says that we, we really believe that we were all the plan was for all of us to die that morning when he killed, when he shot himself. And she said he had hidden my keys. He had cut the phone lines and he came into the living room. And of course there was a, a few, there was an exchange between the two of them, some words. And then of course the, the actual act and, and it, it, then total chaos and, and everyone running everywhere. Um, But He claims that one of the entities that was seen regularly there was in the form of a dark, shadowy type figure that was probably seven to eight foot tall. And this thing was absolute pure evil. Now, I have a picture of this that was actually caught on one of the boys' uh, cameras when they were actually sitting outside in the car one night. And um, they were getting ready to leave, and they heard something approaching the car. And they could, they could see the outline of something, but it, you know, it didn't look like it was human or whatever. So they started snapping their camera to get this, to catch this, you know, whatever this is, just to see. And he says they didn't wait very long. They slammed the car in reverse and got the heck out of there. But when you look at the picture, she sent me this picture, and I've had it uh, analyzed by several, a number of people, to make sure that it had not been altered. Nobody, everyone says that's not an altered picture. There is obvious there is something that was captured, and I'll send it to you, K Town, if you want to see it. But it yeah, uh, I do want to see it. Uh, it's it's uh, just don't sit and look at it a long time. <laughs> don't do that. Um, I'm not gonna do it. Um. Yeah. The. Uh, the picture, when you're looking at this, it looks like they took a picture of the inside of the car, like on a passenger window. Mm-hmm. It just looks like that they took a picture. It's dark outside. And it looks like that they took a picture of just the inside of the car and it's dark. Until you look a little closer. And you look in the upper left side of the photo near the windshield and you can see a face. Then I altered, I used a filter to reduce the lighting on that picture so that I could see that face better. It's unbelievable. So I'm going to send you the original picture, and then I'm going to send you the light, the the one that I applied the filter to. And you can see what freaks me out is that um, I'm starting to see some parallels between these type of spirits. When I'm studying other legends or other areas that have a Native American background of some sort. And there was, and, and when I get into that, I mean that um, there's people that believe that there are skinwalkers, you know. Yeah. In yeah. this particular house, though, in this particular house, um, they could hear running. There was no running water anywhere. Nobody ever found a source of running water, but they would hear running water constantly, as if it was a river. Um,
1: not not all, like it's coming out of a fountain or a spigot no, or anything like no,
2: that. No, uh-uh. But when I did some investigating, when I did some some research on this location, I did find somewhere. Uh, and some documents that told me that there had been a horrific um, uh, episode or event where, like, hundreds of pigs had been slaughtered in that area, um, and and not not necessarily to eat. It was like I, I it was, it, it, meanness or some sort of ritual or something. It was not good. Here's the other thing before this family moved into the house, before whatever this was that started to, um, if you will, uh, oppress. Um, I believe that her husband was spiritually oppressed. He was not necessarily possessed yet, but he was under a significant amount of spiritual oppression during the, during the time that she told me about the things that happened. It's, there's just, I mean, all roads lead to that the conclusion. Yeah. Um, at the same time, this house, before before they moved into this house, there had been a murder there. There had been a woman who had given birth to a baby, and the baby weighed like five pounds and five ounces, and they, um, she just decided she didn't want it, so she stuck it in a um, 55-gallon drum. Of what? A garbage can. She put it into a five gallon bucket oh, God. and then set it into a 55 gallon drum at the end of the driveway. Oh, Lord. Seven days later, somebody found that infant. And so, and that person ended up, you know, being arrested and all those things. But this is what's so nuts. It's like there was already bad mojo at the place. And even before the murder or the, or whatever of the, the newborn had happened and, and discarding an infant and that's just crazy. There was uh someone who had had come up missing, um, who was actually linked to people that had lived in the house at that time. This is like a couple of years before the family lived there whose husband, you know, had, had um committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And the whole crazy thing is, is that a, a few months after we finished that investigation, all of a sudden there was something in the in the news that they had discovered bones within the area, not not actually at that home, but within the vicinity of that area. There was a um, a guy who was actually linked to a family that lived there before. They found his bones. He's been missing for like fifteen, twenty years.
1: Where, how close was he to that house?
2: Oh, man, a mile.
1: Okay, close enough, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just bizarre. And and then so, you know, and you still have na- the neighbors, even after uh, that we had left, the neighbors still would send me messages. And some of them, like I said, that I ha- did, had not met, would send me messages about things that uh that they were experiencing, they said, coming out of the woods. I don't have any desire to go back over there. You know, that's gra- Let com- me stay
1: right there for a second. That's interesting. there's That makes me believe that there's something wrong with the land there because it's happening at too many other houses. Okay, let me ask you something about the children. Man, anytime children <laughs> to creep me out in hauntings and stuff. So yeah. he saw the children. The children were saying, Is he dead yet? And yeah. it seems like sometimes, you know, these evil spirits appear as children and then her the neighbor's grandchildren i guess or the neighbor's kids were seeing the children in the woods did they say or describe what they look like i mean you you would assume these are the same entities that are being seen at both houses is that
2: right so so it's a little boy and it's a little girl that's always seen together um they're around six years old they're not very old uh, a little girl has got shoulder-length kind of blondish hair, wearing a little dress. The little boy is dressed in uh, just a regular pair of trousers, not necessarily old-looking or whatever, just a pair of trousers. It could be um, what they've described to me is not jeans, not denim, but just a pair of dark-colored pants and a top, and he's brown-headed. That's what I've been told. Um, and they're around six years old and it's the two of them, but they said that their eyes, the, whenever the lady told me that you, when she's seen them from a distance, their eyes are glowing red. I think that it is something to do with the land as well. I, I, and I, I'm going to tell you something, you know, you, you hate to tell somebody, look, you should move. I just told them, I don't know what to tell you. the, the, the. The owner of that house that abandoned that house after her husband committed suicide, she told me, I've had this house blessed. I've had a priest out here three times. Three times I've had priests out here. Before he committed to, suicide yeah. or
1: after he committed yep. suicide?
2: Before, trying to help them because they were seeing things. They saw the, an image of an old woman, uh, a family member, was out on the porch, and this was, this house looked like a lake house that had a, it, it had a wraparound porch all the way around, all the way around the, the house, and it had a basement. Um When the uncle was on the porch one day, he was doing something, he was emptying a pan or something, or another, uh something he was doing uh, that she told me about, he was, had been uh cleaning out something uh maybe cooking or or something another like that and he heard the wind chimes start that were hanging nearby start to just rattle and and clink uh really really hard and he says that he stopped what he was doing and turned around looked and looked and sitting in the rocking chair on the on the front porch on the porch was an old decrepit woman with hollow black eyes and a hump back Damn. and he said mm. all of a sudden, he took the entire whatever he had in his hand and flung it over the rail and ran back inside. But she had been seen more than once, and when we were out there doing that investigation, we saw her, I saw her, I saw her, and I saw the uh the black shadow thing it went all the way around the perimeter of the property it didn't get close to me but it did go around the perimeter of the property and I will tell you this it is at least 8 foot tall 8 foot tall and it is nothing but pure absolute pure malice evil it's not good so you know I even told the gonna, I want to I stop you
1: real quick this is amazing this is truly unbelievable it's,
2: it's, it's awful. It took me weeks to get over it. It's a place that I never want to go back.
1: What about okay? So this lady that I guess you said she aban- abandoned the house. It seems like all this, you know, um all this activity was being seen by men. Like I didn't hear you say, or maybe I'm just missing it. You know, I mean, her husband was clearly uh, oppressed. I, I and I believe that is yep. definitely the case. He was just being tormented. Um, to do things, and then finally to kill himself, and now, okay, you got the other guy, the uncle. I guess that was the uncle, right outside.
2: The uncle, the uncle. Yep. The okay, uncle. he her saw son her. Was only yep, and, the, and her son was only thirteen. But here's the thing, too. Now she did tell me that she had seen, uh, and and boy, and she would hear god awful sounds coming from the house. All like what? Over.
1: What kind of sounds?
2: Walking walking and thumping and uh it sounded like somebody was upstairs and it that kind of thing I will tell you that when we were there doing our investigation we became so alarmed we were downstairs all of us we became so alarmed by the footsteps we heard upstairs that we all looked at each other and said that's not a ghost that's a real person we got to get the heck out of here Somebody." is in this house so we all i mean we didn't want to we were more scared of a living person than we are a ghost so we all went to the door and waited and thought you know they're going to have to come down from upstairs there's no other way to go and you know we're all here and after several minutes went by we kept watching we were all just watching watching we went up the stairs peeked around you know, we had backup, we had people with us to help us, that kind of thing. Um, we all felt safe at that point, but went in and investigated where the sounds were coming. There was not a soul up there, there was nobody. Nobody, the only thing that was there was a Coca Cola can. That's it, an empty Coca Cola can. There was nothing there, but I swear to God. That the footsteps that were there, we all, and we were near the basement door, which is several feet away from the stairwell that goes upstairs. And we all looked at each other and said, who's upstairs? Who's in the house? Where is everybody accounted for? And we, I'll never forget it. We, I said, uh, and we started whispering at this point, somebody else is in this house, like a living person. And the house has been sitting here empty. So somebody is, you know, somebody's moved in, whatever. Uh Uh-uh. There was nobody there. Not a thing.
1: What about the basement? I mean, basement, it's okay. I'm not surprised, first of all, that you said it had a basement. It seemed like all these hauntings, real active hauntings, they have a basement. So did you guys check out the basement? I mean, the basement could have been the source of the activity. could have been a portal down there that's Um, open. Somebody doing seances or ouija board type activity down there i will
2: tell you you hit it you nailed it right then when you said ouija board you nailed it uh we found out that a couple of years before the original people that had lived in the home were having parties in the basement and they used to play pool and different things like that but i was told that there were um some Ouija board parties, and uh, these type folks were just really, it was, you know, seeing what they could summon. And so basically we all kind of felt like that at some point someone had opened up through witchcraft. um, And and I don't mean witchcraft. I'm not talking about white magic. I'm talking about negative you know, uh, black magic means and that kind of thing. Because, you know, we all know that uh, paganism or witchcraft is not necessarily bad. It depends on what your intent is. So, but we felt like that from using, from what they were doing there, that that there was the people who were uh, practicing things that were uh, negative and that, yes, they opened up a portal or they brought this in and um now how the heck do you get rid of it how do you get rid of something that's so powerful that you've had this cleanse and you've brought in uh you know representatives from the catholic church on three different occasions and it it might quieten down for a week or two and then it's right back full speed you know wide open again so um Yes, but I will tell you, for me personally, the scariest thing about the basement was the little mouse that ran out from underneath the stairs.
1: Oh, gotcha! <laughs> uh,
2: uh, yeah, because I don't do mice. To me, I, listen, I, I will fight Godzilla before I fight a mouse. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, hate, I i do don't—I don't care for no mice. Oh no. So there was a, a one part of a one part in that whole investigation. Everybody got a big kick out of it because I was a I was doing a big dance to get up the stairs. And I said, I'm done. I'm out of here. And they're going, it was a mouse. I said, exactly. I said, uh, you know, I don't <laughs> care who else shows up, but but the mouse has done it for me. So um, but anyhow, um, the you know, the basement was creepy. The basement was creepy. Did I feel like that there was something um, paranormal in there or negative? The vibe, absolutely, a hundred, a hundred percent, yes.
1: Let me let me ask you this about her husband real quick because okay, so that is the actually the second time that I've known someone's husband to commit suicide after um, a suspicion of being oppressed by. Some spirits or whatnot. Okay, there was a psychic medium I had on years ago. She said her husband committed suicide because he was hearing things, things were telling him to kill himself, and and then he did it. But let me ask you this. How long was he going through that? I mean, was it months, weeks, years before he committed suicide?
2: Six months. And these two had been married for 10 years, and she told me. He
1: never had any inkling of, suicidal thoughts or talking about it or
2: she said i asked her i said look i said did you guys ever have you know you were married with him for 10 years did did he ever have she says you know she said look everybody has ups and downs through life i said of course we do she says but never never to the point she says this man i was standing in the kitchen one night and I was at the, at the, uh, had my hands full uh, preparing dinner at the kitchen sink. He comes up behind me and says, I ought to slip your GD blah, 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 blah throat. She says, completely out of the blue. Oh,
1: Lord, have mercy.
2: Completely uh, out that's of the like blue. It's like
1: at that point, I, he was probably possessed at that point.
2: She, she was so scared. She was so scared. She says, This man had never said anything like that to me, had never laid a hand on me in the 10 years. And she said, no, I'm not saying that we didn't, we weren't Mm. sad from time to time, or we didn't have, you know, we'd have an argument now and then. She said, but those were the best 10 years of my life until that house. And she said, I am telling you that that house destroyed my life. That's what she said. He was possessed. To this day. Yeah. And she says, whatever was there, and I will tell you that after visiting that place, I was there maybe two or three times, but not long, maybe 10 minutes each time until the last time when we did an investigation. The last time I was there, it took me over a week to get over it. I got very, very sick. Um, I ended up being bitten by some, uh, we think a tick um, that got into uh, like maybe my shoe. And I wasn't even in the grass. I was just around, you know, inside the home or whatever. So very odd. But I ended up uh, being treated for Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. They, they said that, <laughs> yes, I was sick, sick. And it was after being there. I was so sick. And it took me about a week or two to get over it. And, of course, I fully recovered. There's no Lyme disease, nothing like that. Everything's great. But I just absolutely thought, you know, for me to have gotten sick after being there and then um, went back a different time and did an investigation, I was only there the first time I was just collecting. Uh, I had just met the neighbor and actually toured the looked around the house was just actually collecting um research, you know, for, for the story that I was writing about. But the last time that I was there I actually did an investigation. Um and it, it took it took a week to get over that. Uh drained, so drained. Uh we had we actually had uh things move right in front of our eyes. Um like what? a guitar the the lady who lived there her ex her husband who had committed suicide, played the guitar so she she brought a she wanted to see i think if if he might still be around or whatever i didn't never got that feeling i never got the feeling that he was hanging out in that house um but We did put it up, we did place that in a location near um, the stairwell. And I am not kidding you, caught it on camera. The whole thing moved inches. It's like it picked it up and scooted it to the side. And I I went, oh, my God. (laughs) And I was going, look, (laughs) we know that nobody's in the house that did that because we were all standing here and watched it. But whoever's upstairs. So it was a very eventful. It was an eventful hour and a half that we were there. Let me ask you, you know, something about her husband. My, yeah. Um,
1: did he withdraw from people before his suicide?
2: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. That's that's a yes, that's an
1: indicator of demonic yes, oppression. Ma'am. Yeah.
2: It sure is. He he wouldn't did and very and angry. She says that she would walk into the room and he would be having a conversation with somebody that wasn't there. And she would say, who are you talking to? And he would Uh. say, uh, uh, oh, never mind. Yeah. This was some bad, bad stuff. And that's why I'm saying that all the things that this, you know, the book two, volume two has got lots of of good stories in it about uh, this area. There's a lot of good ghost stories that you'll read about. Haunted history is is basically what it is. But that particular one that is in that book called The Devil's Den, that's the worst story. It's the the saddest, uh, most disturbing, paranormal, evil, oppressive environment that I've ever heard of. And I've heard of others. I have. But I don't think that I've actually, I've never have actually gone to a location where that was happening. Although I will tell you, I have been asked to come along to some others. I wasn't that long ago that someone contacted me wanting me to come. I recognized it immediately and, and, uh, I didn't say anything, you know, that would be disrespectful, but I just very gracefully declined. And, and suggested that they get um
1: get some help, help from their yeah.
2: lo- uh uh-huh, from their local minister because i'm telling you you walking into situations like that it's, it's not necessarily, you know
1: it's dangerous it's, necess- it's very dangerous it spiritually it, spiritually it can be yeah. very dangerous and physically yeah. dangerous it, too yeah it,
2: it can be so it's not necessarily that uh you know that you walk around in fear all the time that's not it that why walk into a hornet's nest that you know going in, there's a possibility that if you know you might not be spiritually oppressed, it might not decide to cling on to you, but it could make you feel that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you it could, can attack you, you miss- and drain your energy and all that stuff. Yeah,
2: sure, mm-hmm. sure, yeah,
1: amazing. Okay, so yeah, this has been fantastic. I love having you on the show, love it, love it. I Thank want you, you so to much. take a moment, uh, Sydney. And tell my listeners, uh, first of all, that you're, you're actually going to come back on my other show, um, Mysterious Radio, and discuss Skinwalker and your research around that uh, very, very haunted and paranormal locations haunted it's got aliens it's got all kinds of stuff happening portals <laughs> all kinds of things happening wow. there but i want to bring you back and i want people to know that you're going to come back for that one but tell them where they can reach out for you i mean reach out to you for any other projects you may be working on or if they have any questions about any of your research
2: okay well you can find me uh, on twitter you can find me at lsydneyfisher.com um that's got links to you know my social media uh sites if you want to connect with me um and of course you can locate uh, the books any of the the book writing projects that I've been involved in there's over a dozen I've written over a dozen books and you can get access to those through amazon.com
1: and uh, I will have the links as well and especially the one where you write blogs on medium so let's make sure oh, that yeah. that's up there you know so people can follow you on that, right. Uh,
2: I I'm, I need to t- t- tell you that for sure on Medium.com. Uh, I write a blog and I've um, written some things about Skinwalker Ranch that you'll want to you'll want to check that out before the show.
1: Absolutely. All right. So Sydney, many blessings to you, and I really appreciate your time.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for listening. I invite you to follow my other podcast, Mysterious Radio. Please share this show with others that are interested in the paranormal. I want to give a special thanks to our co-creator and executive producer, Kim Kyle, who brought this show to you today. And working hard behind the scenes, our team of four, I want to thank them as well. I am your host, K-Town, and you're listening to Paranormal Fears.
0: A woo a hand clap, or a high-fiver. I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Major phone carriers make you sign contracts with rigid data plans to trap you into a kind of forced phonogamy. Sounds pretty insecure, if you ask me. At Consumer Cellular, we believe in a more consensual and healthy form of phonogamy, free of contracts and more flexible to your data needs. This way, you stick around not because we force you to with contracts and fees, but because you love our phone plans, like ardently love our phone plans, phonogamously. Consumer Cellular. When freedom calls, we're here to answer. Call us at 1-888-FREEDOM.